Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. As we open our Bibles today, we're going to share in the Word of God. And I trust that the Lord will speak directly to each of us through His Word today. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 20. Galatians 2. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your gift of love. To us, we are undeserving, yet we need it. And so now, Father, as we have come today, we want your word to be in our hearts, to give us life and light. And so as we study these words today, Help us to be nourished. In Jesus' name we pray. In the King James Version, Paul says, I have, I am crucified with Christ. But that tense is a little limited. And so when the translators translated from the Greek to the English, they use the perfect past tense. I am crucified with Christ. But then in uh, the later versions, they somewhat corrected the tense. It does not affect the message. But it gives you a little more to the meaning of what Paul says here. So the correct tense is, I have been crucified. And then one translation says, I have been put to death on the cross with Christ. Now I want us to pay attention to the first sentence says I have been crucified now this text makes Paul here makes a, a definitive statement I am crucified with Christ it is concise it is precise and then it is compact. 
In this statement, the Apostle Paul is making an argument for his freedom from the law. He is breaking rank with his, with the, his fellow Jewish apostles who sincerely believe that salvation comes through the strict obedience of the law. And so Paul here, he says, I have been crucified. Now, for you to get the real impact of this, of this statement, you have to go back to Palestine in the time of Christ. And you need to understand that the cross was a mockery for the Jews. And it was a, and Jesus Christ was, was seen as a fraud. And Paul was a Roman citizen. And the cross, the crucifixion and the cross was invented by the Romans as the most ineous form of death and punishment. So both Jews and Gentiles had disdain for the cross and also disdain for Jesus. Now here it is that Paul, first of all, was a Jewish, was Jewish by birth, but he also had Roman citizenship. So how come someone who is a Roman, who is a, who is a, is a Hebrew by blood, and a Roman by nationality is saying that he is crucified with Christ. This was a very bold statement. So let us see here what Paul is really saying. The word crucified is a compound word. And it, it, it means... There are two words here. One is with and one is crucified. And so it really means co-crucified. So when they crucified Christ on the cross, Paul is here saying that I too was also crucified. But what does this mean? Was, Christ, was Paul really on the cross with Jesus? No. What happened on the cross, of course, what occurred physically for Jesus Christ also occurred legally for the Apostle Paul. In other words, Christ's death on the cross was not for himself, but it was for us. So, inasmuch as Christ gave his life on the cross for us, we should have been on the cross. So, having gone to the cross, Jesus removed the shame from us. And he bore it on our behalf. So, positionally, Paul was legally crucified. This is more than Christ being crucified 
before Paul, he actually participated in it in a legal sense. This is how he, he died. He died to the law. The law that demands is death. So death was his chance of escaping from the demands on the penalty of the law. Now, the word crucify occurs five times in the New Testament. It occurs two times in the epistles. One in Romans, one here in Galatians, and three times in the Gospels. And all three times in the Gospel, it referred to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ himself along with two thieves on the cross. But here Paul says that I have been crucified. I, I look a little more on the text here. And the tense here means that Paul's crucifixion had a permanent effect. It was a present reality that comes with a permanent effect. And also, God crucified Paul on the cross, and he stands crucified upon till his death. What happened to Paul here in experience is what all Christians need to experience. There has to be a death before there is resurrection. There has to be a burial before there is newness. And where there is no death, where there is no burial, where there is no resurrection, we cannot appreciate and enjoy the newness of life that comes with all of this. And so, Paul's crucifixion has present finished result. Our identification with Christ is not temporary, but is permanent. So when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you give up your life and a part of you die. That part of you that rebels against God's will, that part of you that wants you to do your own will has to be surrendered. It had to be killed. And so here, Paul, as a child of God, represents all of us. Once we want to be saved in the kingdom of God, as a matter of fact, once we give ourselves over to Christ, we don't live anymore. That is why Paul says that the life that I now live is not the life that I used to live. I live the life now that I find in Jesus Christ. And so, 
here we are called to identify with the death of Jesus Christ. Our identification with Christ goes on forever. This is how we die to the law of sin and of death. Christ releases us from every punishment that the law demands. That we might live with God. And so Paul comes to a point of crucifixion in his own life. He says, I have been. This means that he received, he, he received crucifixion. This is not something that God did with him, but that which he did for himself. Now, let's look at the effects, the effects of the death of Christ and the cross and what it means for us. First of all, there is an intimate union between Christ as in, and his people. So that what affects Christ affects us also. In, in, in John chapter 15 and verse 5, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine, the living one, the source of life. You are the branches. It is from the vine that you get spiritual nourishment and sustenance. But listen to what he says. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words... Outside of Christ, our life comes to an end. And it is only in Christ that we have life. Let's look at the next result from the crucifixion of Christ. The death of Christ on the cross involves the death of his people to the world... And to sin. It was like a blow at the root of a vine or a tree. Which would affect or affect every branch and every, and every vine. But here it is that Christ says. In Galatians 5 and verse 24 he says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those who are church. Belong. It means that those who follow Christ belong to him. Those who accept him as Lord and Savior belong to him. Let me tell you something. You cannot live without a master. So if Christ is not your master, somebody else or something is your master. You cannot live Unless you give your loyalty to something or to somebody. Well, many people give their loyalty to different things. But the Christian gives his loyalty to Jesus Christ. So he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. 
which, which is passion and its desire. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, let us walk with the Spirit. Let our lives be in harmony with what the Spirit wants. Let us not become, oh, conceited, provoking and envying each other. These are the things that affect our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Galatians 6 and verse 14, Paul says, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So, crucifixion here helps us to give up what we don't need so that we can accept what we want or what we need. So let's look at this, the, the second thing here. Paul was connected to Jesus Christ. Therefore, he was willing to share in all the shame. He was willing to share in all the contempt which was connected with the idea of the cross and the crucifixion. That is why it was such it's what was such a, a great statement that Paul made when he said that I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I am accepting Christ. Not only am I accepting Christ, but I am accepting all that comes with him. And so if you're going to accept Christ, you can't decide that I will accept this part, I will accept this part, this segment, and then I will accept, not accept this part or this part. Once you come to Christ, you accept everything. You help to bear the shame that he bears. You help to bear the contempt that goes with his name. And when people reject you because they know that you're a Christian, remember that they had rejected Jesus Christ. And so... Paul was connected to Jesus. He was willing to share the shame. You know, the, when the word, the word Christian was used first, the term was used in Antioch, it was used out of disdain for those who follow Jesus Christ. The Christians, those who follow Jesus, the crucified one on a Roman cross. Jesus came to and called himself the Messiah. I'm sure he was. But then how do you put together a crucified Messiah with one who should deliver his people? Here Paul identified himself with the suffering of Jesus Christ. The shame. Are you afraid to talk about Jesus with your friends? Are you ashamed to bear his name? If you are afraid and ashamed to bear his name, 
he's going, he's not going to own you one of these days. Next, Paul was willing to regard himself as one with the Redeemer and with the redeemed. I want to be with Christ and I want to be with those whom he has saved. If there was disgrace attached to the manner of his death, I want to die with him, says Paul. He was willing to share it with Christ in his suffering. He just like Christ. He was just like Christ in all things. And even in the manner of his death. The idea of his suffering. Yes. And that is why he says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. Being made comfortable unto his death. You know, the human nature recoils and rejects suffering. We don't want it. If there's anything that hurts us, we don't want it. We, we want ease, happiness, and everything that encourages a good life. That's okay. But I want to let you know that the, the, that, that the Christian life comes with suffering. The Christian life comes with hardship. Oh yes. Salvation plan is embedded in, in difficulty and hardship. And after sin, the first thing to die was an animal that was never a part of sin. Plants died. Rivers dried up. Streams stopped flowing. The effects of sin and the human race is hard. Then Jesus Christ had to die. But you know, the gospel of grace is one of justification by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. This is not achieved by the deeds of the law. And that is why Paul says here, I am dead to the law. For the deeds of the law cannot bring happiness. No, we are not saved by our works. But because, because of the work of Jesus Christ. But once we are saved, we work. If after we have been crucified and justified, we refuse to be obedient to the law, we place ourselves under the condemnation of the law, and our justification through Christ takes the place of the unsaved. So, I don't depend on the law to save me. As a matter of fact, there are three great mountains in history. The first one is Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, 
Moses received the law of God in tables of stone. And he brought them down to the people. When he came down from the mountain, what did he see? He saw the people dancing and reveling. Oh, yes. And Moses was so mad with them that he threw down the two tables of stone and they were broken. God called them back in the mountain a second time and chiseled those law on a table of stone, gave them back to Moses, take them back to the people. And all the people accepted and they say, all that the Lord say we will do. And they were so happy. But in a moment, they were gone their own way again. You know, one of the things about Moses that I admire and I always share it is that when the people rejected God, God's anger burned against them. God said to Moses, Moses, listen, let me tell you this. I'm fed up with these people. I, I, I don't want to see them anymore. I'm going to destroy every single one of them. sometimes we get on God's nerves with our behavior. The way we react to each other. Our spirit of spirit of unforgiveness. Greed and gluttony. And envy and pride and malice and backbiting and just living for ourselves. God decided I cannot Take these people anymore. I'm going to destroy every single one of them. And then Moses went to bed one night. He couldn't sleep. Sweat rolled down his face. He began crying. God, you said you're going to take away these people. You're going to destroy them. And God was emphatic. He said, yes, I'm going to take away these people. I'm going to take back the life that I gave you. Moses went down on his knees and he pleaded with God. And he pleaded with God. And that great man of leadership, that great man of God, decided, he said, God, I don't want you to kill these people. I don't want you to take them. He said, I'm going to make a bargain with you, God. God said, okay, let me hear what you have to say. And Moses said to God, take me instead. Take me instead. Don't touch these people. We've been coming for a long time over Jordan, around the mountain, over the Red Sea rather. And God saved the people because Moses interceded for them. You know, that is what happens when you are touched with the life of people. Is there anybody in your own life that you would give your life for? Would you be willing to say to God, take me 
and save my children, save my spouse, save my neighbor, save the people in my church. Although they bite me sometimes. They're willing to do that. So on Sinai, we got the, the, the law of God. But then there's another great mountain, Mount Calvary, where the Lamb of God was slain. The only reason why Jesus died on Mount Calvary is because what happened at Sinai was not enough. As a matter of fact, Jesus died on Mount Calvary because that was which was given at Sinai was broken. And that law demands, oh yes, the death of all of us. But Jesus Christ calls us today. Oh yes, we cannot overcome our inherited sinful nature on our own. We need the power and assistance of the Holy Spirit to make this happen. Oh, we want, we want to be forgiven. The surrender of our will to the will of God is essential for the elimination of the powerful desire that motivates us to sin and enslaves us. And so, Christ calls us today. He says, I want you to, to repent because you're a lawbreaker. I want you to be honest with yourself because you have been walking in, in your own way. So true repentance is not just asking for forgiveness of sin, but it is a willingness and a deep desire for change. For change from our comfort zone. For change in our own lives. It is a surrender of one's own control. You have been at the control for too long. And it is taking you farther and farther away from God. Throw up your hands in the air and give up. And let God take, take over. Yes. That's why the songwriter says, All to Jesus I surrender. Are you willing to surrender? Oh yes. To give up your will to God is to surrender the control of your life and your will. When we are crucified with Christ by faith, we must completely surrender every selfish desire, every cherished selfish ambition must be given over to the will of God. Self-promotion Self-pleasing desires are the greatest obstacle between man and God. This is how I want to do it. This is how I want it to be done. So today, Christ is making a fresh call to us. Hear what Paul says about the law in Romans 7 and verse 14. 
He says, for we know that the law is spiritual. But listen to me now. Listen to what he says. I am carnal. I am sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will, for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that is what I do. And then Paul cries out when he realized that sin has infected his body and his being and his mind was being controlled by the devil. Paul cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And right there, Paul used a powerful illustration. Who shall deliver me from the body, this body of death? You know the Romans had a practice that once you murder someone, what they would do is that they would they would beat you with the cat and nine and with all the laceration in your body, cut blood flowing with the cat and nine with the steel at the end, and every swipe you get you get you get nine slices across your back. And now Criminal would be bleeding from everywhere. And then they would take this dead body, this person that you have killed. They would tie it on to your back, lace it on to your back, and tie it on your hands. And then they would let you out in the wilderness. And you would be, stay there for days with that body as it rots. And all this, the germs and the water from that body running down in your cut. Those slices on your body. And flies begin to take it. And the maggots begin to work their way inside your system. And you can't do anything. Your hands are tied. Just imagine that your body starts to rot and you're still alive. And the maggots take it. And they're working their way inside your, your stomach, in your head, in your ears. And you can't do anything. And you just lie there. Just asking God to take your life. But you are being punished. Imagine that. The body of death. And so Paul uses the analogy that the sin is like this dead body that is trapped on us. And we are bruised and battered and lacerated by sin. And we can't get rid of this dead body. This load of sin that holds us. And Paul cries out, who can deliver me from this body of death? Who can? I'm here to tell you today that someone can. What is it that is holding you back? What is it that, is, that has the mastery over you? What is it that is controlling you? What is this 
that is hurting you and you want to get rid of it, I'm telling you whether it is emotional, whether it is psychological, whether it is spiritual or physical, whatever it is, I'm here to let you know today that someone can deliver you from this body of death. Oh yes, he can deliver you from the body of death. And I say to you today, before our crucifixion with Christ, we were slaves under the condemnation of the law. The law that demands the death of the sinner. Who can release us? After our crucifixion with Christ, we are completely free from the condemnation of the law. We have perfect oh, and permanent standing with Jesus Christ. Then when you look at Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 7, Paul was confused. Oh, he was messed up. Oh, he didn't know what to do. He was under the burden and the spell of, devil, uh, of the devil. But when you come to the first verse in Romans chapter 8, he says, praise God, there is no more, no, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to let you know today, that we have freedom in Christ Jesus. We have salvation in Christ Jesus. So the story today is not about Paul. For Paul was not crucified for your sin. Jesus Christ was crucified for my sin. The story today or the hero in the story today is not Paul. But is the one. That sets me free from the load of bondage that holds me down. And so as I close today. Jesus Christ. Has engrafted us. Into his new status with God. We gain new power. For living the Christian life. As a flower gets its energy from the root, so we get our power from Jesus Christ. You know, most people misunderstand this text. They say, well, you know, Paul here says that uh, he, he, he is no more under the law and that he doesn't need the law anymore. And so most people think that way. But I want you to understand here that the law cannot save or sanctify. We live, we live out our new life in Jesus Christ by faith. And the work of God is sufficient for us. At the same time, we cannot be saved as lawbreakers. No lawbreaker will be saved in the kingdom of God. At the same time, no one will be saved in the kingdom of God by just obeying the laws. You must experience Jesus Christ. And so I lift him up to you today. I present my friend Jesus. I know no other friend who is so dear and precious to me. And so I ask you, are you willing to be crucified with Christ?
before you know Christ, you follow the, the wills of the world. After you find Christ, you follow the will of Jesus Christ. You know, a man became a Christian and he went to work and he was sharing his new experience with his friends at work. And one of them looked at him, at him and said, so you, you're a Christian now. You are following Jesus. Tell me what's the difference. Yeah, if, if there's a difference, tell me what that difference is. The man looked at his friend and said, Yesterday, or before I became a Christian, I was running towards sin. I was running towards sin. And all that the world has to offer, I was running towards it. But you know what happened today? Now that I've taken on Christ, you know what's happening? I am running away from it. Not running towards it anymore. I'm running away from it. Are you running away from sin? That is the difference. We have to be running away from it. And so today, if it is your will and your pleasure, to continue running away from sin. I ask you to stand with me. So that Jesus Christ. Can deliver you from this body of death. If there is somebody here today. You are having a struggle. It is a real difficulty. You are having some real difficulties. In your life experience with Jesus. The devil wants to derail you. He wants to destroy you. And he's seeking to discourage you. I ask you today. Open your hearts. Say Jesus. I don't have the strength. But I know you have it. Jesus, my will is not strong enough, but I know you have the will. Open your hearts today. Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you. Thank you so much for dying for us. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that we too will be crucified today with you. Selfish desire. Selfish ambition, grudges, backbiting, stealing, adultery, fornication. Whatever it is that holds us back, oh God, today. We want these things to be crucified with you. Give us a new experience today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email 
at podcast at saviinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting saviinggracesda.org.